Dispatch Boys. Overlooking Phoenix. From high above in the Star Worldwide Network Studios. Badge Boys. Stories, insight, guests, and true blue humor with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. And now, here they are, the Badge Boys. Welcome back to another edition, the Badge Boys, a show where two cops talk to the community. I'm retired Crime Stopper Sergeant Darren Birch. I'm retired Phoenix Police Officer Jason Schechterly. And we have another stellar show for you. We have a forensic psychology consultant for law enforcement. PIO, she's been everywhere. She's going to weigh in on a horrific triple murder and how it may end differently than we thought. Then we're going to Cop Talk, where the Atlanta cop shooting. Jason and I may disagree in this one. It's going to be interesting. And then the last segment, we're going to have stupid suspect stories, heroic headlines, and so much more. So stay tuned, stay informed, and most of all, you're going to be entertained. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. I remember the, I remember moment. the moment. I'll never forget that moment. As long as I live. As long as I live. Several of us were working to rescue a family. The house collapsed on top of the cellar door and trapped them. We had to use Humvees and heavy machinery to move massive trees and debris. We got them out. We helped a lot of people out. It felt good to know I could really make a difference. Because I'm a citizen soldier in the National Guard. Be there the moment your community needs you. Learn more at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Arizona National Guard. Aired by the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. Move over, AZ. Arizona's move over law requires you to move over or slow down when you drive past any vehicle pulled over with flashing lights. Remember, every vehicle, every time. Move over, AZ. Sponsored by ADOT in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys. Jason, is it fair to say I am very subdued this show? You uh, more so than ever, but I got to tell you, I'm not going to lie. I am feeling the exact same way, and I, it's not the show. No, at no, all. God, I mean, no. It's, it's hard to remain positive in the uh, state of where things are at in our depressing. world. It's depressing. Yeah. It's the word. Li- listen, the best thing about 2020 is Tiger King. That showed you how <laughs> fucked up this world is well right now. Well said. Well said. That's the best thing about 2020 is, <laughs> what was his name? Joe Exotic. Yeah. That's, he so far is the greatest thing that's happened in 2020. That's a low bar. <laughs> so yeah, our energy level is going to be. I just, uh, I just got it. However, we have a great you guest. You brought in another great guest. And so Absolutely. I think by the end of the by the end of this next we'll be 20 fine. minutes, we'll be fine. I'm gonna feel a lot better than I did on the drive here today. So I can just see what's uh, in her mind. She's like, I gotta compete uh, with the Joe Exotic no, thing. No, <laughs> well, that's easy to compete against, trust right? me. Oh yes. my gosh. Yeah, we have a forensic psychology consultant. She worked with Maricopa County Prosecutor's Office. Uh, she went to Florida and was a PIO. She's been everywhere. She was silent witness with me, uh, Crime Stoppers program. And she is absolutely a beautiful mind and a beautiful soul. And we're going to talk to her about, of all things, a horri- horrific triple murder. I can't wait to hear that. Oh. I, I investigated one triple murder, and it's uh, uh, th- those are intense. So I they can't are. wait to hear about that. I had one on Easter, and, and oh, my gosh, it was so horrific. So yeah. when—, when we're talking about this. Normally, we talk from a prosecutor's perspective. We're going to go unusual here, and we're going to talk to, we have Anna Hackett, again, a um, 
psychology major um, doing with forensics, helping law enforcement, but also defense. You helped this particular murder trial. The uh, prosecution had their witnesses, and then defense called you. So good morning. Good morning. So glad to be here. I just want to. Are you sure? I just want to really? side. Let's just sidebar for a second. Okay, sidebar. Listen, I am. I have been had the role of counselor, so I'm happy to like. If you want to talk through like why we're low today, we can do that too. Sure, you want to talk. <laughs> yeah, that might be a good idea. I, I, a therapy <laughs> session. What do you charge like, for? What do you charge for hour? I might need a need an appointment for. Let Let me uh, hit hit the basics in this uh in hillsborough county the area around including tampa florida on mother's day may 2008 a uh, recently unemployed correctional officer in a crack cocaine and alcohol induced psychotic rage murdered his girlfriend her two children and even their pet dog it took seven years to piece together a case a case that the defendant would later fire and rehire his defense team and for a judge to sentence him to death we're talking about Edward Covington, which, who is currently sitting on Florida's death row for three sentences of death. And I kind of talked in the intro about how it could have been different. And that's ultimately why I want to talk to you about, uh, Anna, is what you did on this case and what you found, which may have shocked a lot of people in terms of could this have been prevented? So great setup. Thank you very much. Um, so the defense hired me and I really, I, I want to be open-minded in my work, right? And believe in the American system. I am a patriot. I love this country and everyone deserves their day in court. So um, agreed to take this work on and the defense hired me to re- help them, right? So I am not a uh, testifying witness. I do research, forensic psychology research. I have a master's degree in forensic psychology, not licensed. So my job is to help the attorney rebut the other uh, professional witness. So the prosecution had hired a witness, excuse me, they had hired a psychiatrist who was going to uh, talk about, uh, they ended up coming to the table saying that Edward Covington was a psychopath. And of course, the defense said he had mental illness. So they they asked me to come in and take a look at all of his records, take a look at his medications, take a look at uh, the interviews that the prosecution's uh, expert witness had had with the defendant and give them something, some research, some facts to help them in their case. Uh, It was, you know, the defense even said during the trial, listen, no one is arguing whether he did it or not. He he confessed. There was a lot of controversy up front about the confession. Um, So it was a matter of a death sentence or something else. And prosecution looks to sort of those aggravated aspects. And the defense is looking for things that somewhat mitigating. Correct. So the aggravators versus the mitigators. Having said all that, tell the audience what occurred. What what occurred? How, How did it happen? How did it play out the murder? If you will, tell a story. So leading up to the murder, right? So this man has a long history of intersection with the mental health providers, with community providers, um, in and out of uh, prescriptions. And in Florida, they have involuntary commitment. It's called a Baker Act. He had been Baker Acted 
Um, I think in the in the notes I provided, I think at least three times by the time this crime had occurred, involuntary admitted into a psych ward. Correct. In, in, in essence. Correct. So in Florida, that's called a Baker Act. He had been Baker acted multiple times, um, multiple prescriptions, and at various different providers. Right. So none of those providers are talking to each other. Um, very, that's a problem, isn't it? It's a big problem and very common in mental illness. So this gentleman was diagnosed, multiple diagnoses, uh, but his primary diagnosis that the defense was working on was a bipolar diagnosis and very common in bipolar uh, patients that their medication feels makes them feel better. So they don't want to take it anymore. They're very difficult to keep on medication. They, you know, it's a it's a mental health illness that once they get medicated, they're they're fully they have the capacity to be fully functioning, uh, but then don't want to be on medication. Don't want anything to be wrong with him. But just let me while I'm there, let me tell you his other diagnoses that were brought to the table: uh, the borderline, excuse me, bipolar uh, disorder, intermittent explosive disorder, cocaine abuse disorder, alcohol abuse disorder. So very common in mental illness. People who are not medicated will self-medicate through drugs and alcohol. And I know I, I kind of teased to the extent that it was a psychotic rage and that he murdered his girlfriend. But that really doesn't tell us what happened. Can you kind of t- tell us sure. what occurred? Yeah, cut to the chase that uh, he he told investigators that the two-year-old girl who was a victim in the case, that uh. Uh, his girlfriend's daughter, two years old, um was playing with his cell phone when he got up in the morning and he, it flew him into a rage. And he had been on an alcohol and cocaine binge from the night before um, and threw him into a rage. That's as much as we know about what happened that provoked the rage. And then what was the act itself? How did he kill them? Uh, he, there was a hammer and knife used. Um, he ended up with uh, charges, well, you know, the story ends in three death sentences. Um, and he was charged with mutilation of a dead body. He was charged with mutilation um, of the, um, um, excuse me, of animal abuse in Florida. At that time, the the laws weren't quite as strong as they have gotten since this crime. He had uh, three charges of first-degree murder, three charges of abuse of a dead body. And he basically, it was trauma. He basically beat them to death. Yeah, there was a report from a neighbor that the morning of, on Mother's Day, uh, the morning of, the neighbor heard pounding coming from the home and saw a silhouette or something, saw something in the house and thought that the dog was being disciplined. And it was a pounding like a hammering. And that it, it went on for a while, but the neighbor, you know, decided it was the dog being disciplined and didn't take any action at that time. And it was actually, sadly, the mother, the this monster's mother-in-law that notified police. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so she uh, did not hear from her daughter on Mother's Day. So she came over to the home uh, the following morning, that Monday, uh, walked into the home and saw the scene, and neighbors said they could hear her screaming. And the neighbor who reported that said, he actually came over to the home. He walked in. He saw. He said he saw part of the crime scene, and that was enough. And he turned around and and came back. And uh, the local sheriff's office was called and sent there. They secured that scene. They actually secured the scene. 
exited uh, the scene and then um, somewhere, I'm not sure if the, the sheriffs were inside or outside, the deputies, excuse me, were inside or outside, but heard some rustling and found the defendant hiding in a closet, uh, hiding underneath some clothes and toys wearing just his underwear. And at that time, they didn't know what his part was. You know, immediately they don't know what his part was. And he admitted during the uh, subsequent interviews yeah, he told them actually that he had ingested, um, I think, a whole, pottle, a whole bottle of pills. So they took him to the hospital, um, secured him at the hospital, and he didn't have uh, the, the, the controversy came in because they secured him at the hospital. So he didn't have access to attorneys. Attorneys tried to contact him in the hospital immediately following. Um, and the defense actually. Uh, came in and tried to argue to get the confession thrown out because he did. He fully confessed uh, to the crimes to deputies uh, shortly thereafter. Now, we've worked together uh, with Silent Witness, which is a crime stoppers program, which is very pro-law uh, enforcement. It has, all has to do with prosecuting and catching bad guys. Um, you've worked as a consultant with prosecutors here in Maricopa County. How different was it? Give us an insight on how difficult that was for you because we've had other guests that are really good attorneys, defense attorneys that do it for the right reason in their heart, but because everyone needs representation, how difficult was to grapple with that? To be fair, we had one. (laughs) We had others. We had one. So I really made a decision to go in open-minded, right? I, you know, we've, Darren, you and I have known each other for a long time. Oh, yeah. I am, I'm very pro-police and um, had worked with the prosecution in the past, you know, got into this uh, industry, into forensic psychology purposefully for justice sake, um, but didn't, I wanted to be open-minded. And my experience with those attorneys, so it was a whole team of attorneys, sure. right? And it was public defenders. So he, this man did not have a private attorney. And then he would fire them and hire different ones. and Or I shouldn't say hire. It was Yeah, they, he provided. reinstated them. But at the point, and so you know, for clarification's sake, I was, I was um, a piece of their story. I actually didn't, uh, I wasn't employed with them up until the trial. Um, I provided what they asked, and I did not go back and seek additional hours and and time and work from them. Um, we kind of just, you know, I've provided what you've asked for, and and nothing more was said on either behalf. So, with that being said, um, the original attorney that hired me is a, a amazing human being. She really has a heart for her job. I tons of respect for her. She believes in, you know, the justice system that everybody deserves their day in court. And, you know, she tends to have quite a big heart for defendants. I had a lot of respect for her. She was great to work with. Um, One of the other attorneys I worked with, um, he was a bit jaded at his job and what I might be able to assist them with because of the heinousness of the crime and the way the prosecution was going. Um, you know, we're just human beings. He's just a human being doing his job the best he could. I, I like to hold myself at a standard that um, I didn't see happening personally with this, with this guy, which was a lot to do with why I didn't pursue working with him any further. It's interesting because Jason's right. On this show, 70-some-odd shows, we've had one defense attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but I've been doing radio for about 
oh my gosh, a decade. And I've had a lot of defense attorneys on other radio shows. And a lot of them are good people. I've learned more from a defense attorney as a detective than I did really prosecutors because you, it, it's the devil that you know that kind of you fight against and understand that world. How was it emotionally for you um, dealing with uh, that aspect? Because like you said, you bleed blue. <laughs> you, you absolutely are there for the cause with law enforcement. Um, I was just curious how that was for you, um, internally speaking. Um, you know, I try to remember that my job is to help get to the truth, right? My job is not judgment in any way, shape, or form. It's not to, my job is to provide the research, right? There's rules in the court about what a uh, psychologist or psychiatrist is supposed to bring when they testify. And they're supposed to bring facts. Now, I was never hired for my opinion. So I work really hard to not interject my opinion on either side in any direction because my job is to bring the truth. And so here's what the research says. So I tried to stay in my lane as much as possible. Um, you know, there's contention. There's, you know, you're asking the question and I'm thinking about, you know, did they bash the the sheriff's office and, and what Which happened? Is unfortunately common. Right. So I, I'm trying to remember back to those conversations and the, the part around the confession was highly emotional for that office. They felt very strong or is it strongly about <laughs> their, you know, what they sent to the court about getting that confession thrown out. That's what they're supposed to do, right? They work right. on behalf That's of the defendant. That's, That's what job. they're supposed to do. Um, you know, there wasn't, they had asked me to take a look at the confession to see if there was something I could bring to the table. That wasn't, I, I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything to share with them. I worked, I, I brought them things where I was good at and what I knew I could help with. So I, and, I stayed away from, I stayed away from that. I stayed neutral as possible. You know, my personal feelings are not supposed to interject in that in my job. And, and as far as anyone knows, you know, I, maybe I'm lying to myself. I, I thought I did a decent job staying neutral. Good for you. And you found that the facts in the case did show a lot of history of psychotic episodes where various organizations, medical organizations, were aware of his issues. And I'll leave you to kind of tell me what those issues are that weren't speaking to each other. And had there been some type of intervention, um, is it possible this event may not have even occurred? So I don't want to bore you, but I'm, I'm just going to hit on a couple of things from his history that, you know, standalone. Uh, okay. So he's 15 years old. He shoots himself playing Russian roulette as a 15 year old. He's a 15 year old. He shoots himself during Russian roulette. Red flag. Yeah. Hello. Huge, huge, huge. So he gets Baker acted and you know, uh, mental health providers and caregivers and, and people who work in that industry are, are desperate to help people, but there's only so much you can do. You can't force somebody to take medication. You can't force somebody into treatment. That's what a Baker Act does, but that has limitations. So at 15 years old, there's problems. 16 years old, he has a drug overdose. Uh, 21 years old, he's got a motorcycle crash where his helmet cracked. And the defense used that as a possible the trauma, traumatic brain injury. Or they wanted to. 
uh, with frontal lobe damage, which is a real thing. Oh, people talk about TBI all the time during some of those cop shootings. Like, why did you do this when it was just a trauma to his head and he was, you know, acting because of the trauma opposed to, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes they try to confuse why officer shot. The officer shot because he had a gun. <laughs> but in this particular case, they were trying to use that traumatic brain injury as some type of reasoning. Is that right? So traumatic brain injury and damage to the frontal lobe um, limits can inhibit, can stop executive functioning. So it can be in your decision making. And defense, it's pretty common for defense to look at that and, and hire an expert who can talk about the defendant's brain and is that an issue. Inability or ability yeah. to process. So from 1996 to 2006, he was a correctional officer at two different facilities in Florida. Which shot, thank you, Jason. Wait a Speak second. To that. Yeah, yeah. Look at, look at that, right? Are you serious? Yes. Look at that, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Please, Jason, I'm weigh over, in. No, I'm over here sitting listening to this great story and all of a sudden she drops that what? and I'm like, What? And yeah. that, that kind of sums up a whole lot of Thank you. what we're going through right now yep. with how did you even have that job ever get that job? Yes. God. Oh, oh, but wait, there's more act now. Oh yes. I love that. <laughs> Hold on. We're there's not done more. yet. Act now. We're going to send on. two for we're the price of yet. one. You're, All right. Have you not seen this? No, history? I haven't. Oh. Please. Okay. Let me have it. So during the time frame that he's there, he, in 1999, cited for abuse of an inmate, no action is taken. In 2000, he gets an involuntary commitment, a Baker Act, and then and they put him on psychotropic meds at that point. Well, well in a position as a correctional yes. officer. Yes, He's involuntarily admitted to it. Is the Baker Act R5150? Yes, it is. Okay. Same exact okay. animal. They're Thank involuntary you. based you. on we the police believe there's a problem. 72 hours. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Some states vary yeah, as far as hours. They, they, yeah. they, yeah, they call it some different, same thing. Yes, Absolutely, same thing. my friend. Um, so 2001, he's diagnosed with seizures. 2002, he's cited for shoving and knocking over an inmate. He gets suspended. 2003, he has gastric bypass surgery. So he was extremely overweight prior to this. Um, and part of this is a key piece for the defense because what they wanted to and, and, and I believe did it argue at trial was because of his gastric bypass surgery, his absorption rate of his medications was inadequate. So he wasn't getting the benefit of his psychotropics when he committed this crime. 2005, he gets an animal cruelty charge. He killed three cats uh, and his parents said it was because he was distraught. Red flag. How because often this it, is what serial killers are made of. It is. It truly is. Is that where it starts with uh, animal animals? It's the cruelty. triad, it's, right? It's yeah, the triad. It yeah. Trying to see if they get some type of motion or it, feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets Baker acted again. He gets an EAP. At that EAP point, um, employment assistance program. Okay. So evidently, they saved his job. They put him on you know, some therapy or something. I don't know the details of all of that, but they say he had EAP at that time where he goes through treatment again in 2005. And then, uh, and so when he, it looks like when he comes back from that, maybe, right. Cause it's a short, a lot happened in 2005. He gets cited for excessive absenteeism and it's stated. His world is falling apart. Falling apart. That, that leads to his resignation. I still can't fathom how the hell he slipped through the cracks right, so to become a correctional officer. Right. So that's kind of the point that we were talking about. And I've, and I've done another presentation about this exact thing. This man has so many issues. And when I'm going through the 
when I'm going through the past records, they're at different facilities, right? So the facilities are not talking to each other. They, they can't, no communication. but they can't, right? It HIPAA too. violations of privacy on and on and on. But this could be helpful if these, they that's right. Talk. If they all talked. So he is going through, you know, one, I don't, I don't know. The Meltdown. Right word. Okay. <laughs> After another, my layman term. And, <laughs> um, Meltdown. So he, he resigns. Uh, he worked as a tradesman for a couple of years, I think in, you know, a tradesman, like I think electrician or something along those lines. He meets uh, the victim, Lisa, online. They meet online. There was an indication um, that she had had a prior relationship with a drug addict. Uh-oh. So maybe a little, you know, red flag on her behalf yeah. that she didn't have a very good picker. Right. Um, so she meets him online. He ends up, moving in with her. He's on probation. Um, and he's on probation for drugs, 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 a horrible drunk, correctional drunk officer. driving, <laughs> drunk driving and drug charges. Wow. He's on probation. So nothing like presenting a red flag to her, given her experience, you know, she overlooked it. Well, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. I mean, that's pretty common. Yeah, yeah. it's exactly. common. It's pretty common. Yeah. So, and how long were they together before that horrific event in two thousand eight? Not long, because it was in two thousand eight. So, so I don't months. have the. Yeah, yeah. I wow. don't. I don't wow. have the. And on Mother's Day, no less. And on Mother's Day, so there's some there's some. Uh, and the children. Sketchy that, things that ha- that happened like the week prior. Yeah, and so with all this coming together, uh, he ends up being convicted on the three murders and then animal cruelty. Explain animal cruelty in the one minute we have left. What did he do with the dog? And kind of talk a little bit about that. Oh, now you're really going to break my heart. I know it will. Yeah. Um, you know, I got, I got to read some of that and it's, I don't want to give it any merit. I mean, it, I just, okay. it's like it's stomach turning Okay. that yeah. what he did, he thought that, uh, his girlfriend was talking to him after he had murdered her and that the dog needed to be fed. And, and that's the only, the only clue we have to why he did what he did with dog food and, and, and bodies. And, but basically he was cutting things open. Yeah. Really bad. Not, yeah. uh, yes. This is the worst of the worst. It was the worst of the worst. One of the sheriffs quoted said it's the grizzliest they'd ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just have to speak up because this is something pretty traumatic for me because I'm lucky to be sitting here today because this person she's describing sounds just like the man I married, the second man I married years ago, who had a psychotic break in the same way and could have killed me. He hit my kid and they took him for the 72-hour eval after him saying he was going to take pills because I was going to walk away from this. And I'm lucky to be here today. Because I paid attention to the red flag when it happened, even though I was still married to him. I got rid of that guy. Yeah. You have to pay attention to the red flag. Trust your intuition. I would not be sitting here today if I didn't pay attention to that red flag. He would have killed me and my son. And that's a problem I have with HIPAA. Uh, HIPAA is, does good things for good reasons, except when it prevents help. As a well, detective, I had issues with HIPAA trying to get documents. HIPAA should be in place. I can't call an office and go, "Hey, I started dating this girl, and what are her what's her medical history?" 
that kind of stuff. That's a good example. But when you go back to like 9-11 and we were the clarity on all of our law enforcement agencies intelligence across the community. country were not speaking. Talking to each other. We needed to change that. HIPAA certainly needs to, I mean, an agency in Florida, whatever, whatever mental health facet they're in, should be allowed to call another place and tell the truth. The whole, I'm, I'm all good with the... Protecting the, their privacy. The privilege and the privacy, but... There are limits to that. It's not about random people. Even I'm okay with them. Well, I don't know. Employers. <laughs> but how would you but, know? But how would you know? Right. So you're coming in and you just had a breakdown. You just, you, you're suicidal. You come in, you tell me you're suicidal. I'm not going to know unless you tell me. I can ask, but if you don't tell me that but, you went to X, Y, and Z, like, I agree with you. I agree with you. Right. That how are we going to fix these, these, cracks in the system because the medical community but me communicating being me being suicidal and you're an expert in this and, and again you speak in facts me if i tell you i'm suicidal that in no way gives you causation to inform somebody else that i might hurt somebody else because i didn't utter that sentiment i'm talking no about i'm talking about hurting myself i but when you have somebody our country is filled with red flag after red flag after red flag, and we, we meet it where it is until it gets to the point with the old-fashioned statement, we only lock the gate after the horse right. has already been stolen. It's really good. That it's is, and that happens every day Too hundreds, much. if not thousands of times. And I do agree that it, it, something, it's not going to get changed. I'm, I, certainly, I'm not in a position to tell HIPAA. Hey, change your laws. <laughs> but the discussion we're having, I think, is very important because when you're dealing with mental illness, you can go back and see these. We, we can talk about this on other levels like the the Derek Chauvin's of the world in Minneapolis, who the guy had, there was red flag after red flag after red flag. And not only did he end up murdering somebody, but he was a training officer. Yeah. So... So it applies across a lot of spectrums, what, so, you, what we're talking about here. So just for clarification, right? So on behalf of mental health providers, there are uh, laws in place. Most states have laws that say if someone is going to hurt themselves or others, there's a duty to report. DTO, DTO, DTS, duty to report, yes. right? Yeah. Um, but again, what we're, t right, there's, there's so much to it but and we're not going to solve it today. Duty, who's your duty to report to? So... And I think this is a fair question for everybody out there. If I hired you and said, I want to spend an hour with you, and I've got, listen, this is what's happened over the last 10 years, and I am I'm falling apart, I'm thinking about committing suicide, who's your duty to report that to? Well, so that is a duty in Arizona. I don't remember what the laws are here, but like it's my duty. Either, it's so my duty to get you help, right? It's my duty to get you help. But you're the help. Correct. So if I go out then and hurt somebody else, it was not your duty to help them. Correct. Because at the time, I don't are, know that they're unknown to you. That's right. They're strangers. So this back to, oh, the horse got stolen. Now let's lock the gate and it boils. So to in Florida, I'm sorry, Darren. No, no, in please. Florida. 
if I had a client and I did have clients that said I'm suicidal. So I would send them to our crisis center, right? They would go into, they would voluntarily go into, it wasn't called a Baker Act because it was voluntary. They would voluntarily go into, now mine always voluntarily went, right? But um, I could involuntarily uh, commit them to a crisis center for up to 72 hours. But that's you trying to get them help. Right. That's not you. So suicide and homicide, right? There's, I'm not going to know the difference if, if you're not giving me any other warning signs and I'm not going to know there is right. There, there's ethical obligation that if you tell me you're going to go harm somebody else, there's ethical obligation. What's, the, what's the ethical obligation if I came to you and I'm, I'm just going to continue to use myself because I don't thankfully have these issues. If I came to you in a private office a private setting, I'm paying for your time, and I said, listen, I keep having these thoughts of killing somebody. Right. What is your what is your duty versus the HIPAA laws or right. or just civil rights laws? What what is your duty? Because I'd love to know. I've never had anybody tell me that. So I'm sorry, I'm not gonna be able to answer your question. So as a, I'm just not, this is the difference between being licensed and not being licensed. It truly is the difference, right? Because I'm not bound to those things. I don't know, and I don't know what they are in Arizona, but I will tell you as a human being, what I'm gonna do, right? As a counselor, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get you help. I'm gonna ask you for your compliance in that help. And then if you're not compliant, I'm gonna seek, right? I'm gonna call either if I have an ethical oh. obligation or not, I'm gonna I personally am going to do something that is about a, it. That is a beautiful answer, but it, now it brings up a broader question. You're saying you're not licensed, right? so you're going to respond as a human being. So are you saying that people who are licensed in your... My daughter is finishing up her final year of her psychology degree. Yeah. And she will get licensed. Yeah, let's call her. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to listen to the show tonight and be yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to get a text going, Dad, could you please not, not call me up? Yeah. So you're bringing up a broader question. If you are licensed, it means you can't be more of a human being. Is that how the law? Well, I think uh, she was just, she was just really answering like I can answer on a hum humanity basis. Yeah, as opposed basis. to a legal obligation. Right, right. There's a as opposed to a legal ethical licensing obligation. Yeah. So she was just answering on Look a humanity. Look at that. I, 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 not what you listen, wanted. I have, so, I, I have so many issues with this. It's not even. <laughs> it's not even funny. I think it boils down to. I hate saying this. Trust your intuition. Okay, so Darren, you realize, right? You're saying that, and I'm looking at you like, you remember? You rem do you I remember? Do. I do. Darren and I ran a women's program called Trust Your Intuition years ago when I lived here before. Over a decade. That It was hugely successful. Yeah. We sold out that room, and we did it all for nonprofit. Remember? It was for Silent Witness. It was it a was nonprofit silent, for Silent, silent Witness. It was a Crime Stoppers program. Yeah. And what we found that many of these women had similar situations as Robin yep. where they have these telltale signs. And sometimes they can't even articulate what it is that's scaring them. And what we basically kind of equated it to was a, a fire alarm at your house. And you hear that alarm. You just don't ignore it. You get up out of bed and you check it out. That same, that same alarm is trusting your intuition. Check it out. Act on it. And I would love if you have time to stay around for cop talk, because we're going to talk about something current, very sensitive. And Darren and I are going to disagree. 
And I would love. It'll be interesting. I would love for you to conflict resolution. (laughs) We'll need it. (laughs) Uh, Well, because you, I'm the one that calms him down. We'll both uh, be animated. Disagreeing (laughs) is is always great. But with your background, I'd love to get your take on the hot topics of the world right now. And we're going to talk about we we. It'll be a very current. I'm staying. Be specific. Awesome. Well, you know what? Then we will all four be back in just a few minutes. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. Move over, AZ. Arizona's move over law requires you to move over or slow down when you drive past any vehicle pulled over with flashing lights. Remember, every vehicle, every time. Move over, AZ. Sponsored by ADOT in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. I'll never forget, never forget that moment. As long as I as live. As long as I live. My first call ever as a member of the National Guard. When we got to the armory, they briefed us on the wildfires. They were getting dangerously close to homes. Helicopters were going out to drop water on the fires. Guys in the unit were preparing for firefighting with local fire crews. At that moment, I got my first taste of just how important the Guard is to my community. See how the Guard can be an important part of your life at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Arizona National Guard. Aired by the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. You're listening to Batch Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys. <laughs> Welcome back to Badge Boys, everybody. Outstanding. We said at the beginning, Darren and I both mentioned that we were a little bit in the doldrums and a little bit solemn. Not anymore. And I said, after 20 minutes with Anna... I did not think that would be the case, and it is not the case. I am uh, raring to go now. So we're back to our normal show, and uh, God, you know, Darren, when we started this show a year and a half ago, what was what was our, our main causation? We are going to be positive about law enforcement building bridges between community and cops and now it seems like we're going on our fourth or fifth week that we are not being very positive about i'm not saying we're being negative about law enforcement we are are talking about the current topics and of course i said this exact same sentence last week we have to talk about the current topic this week and it is the what's going on in atlanta and again you have to be under a rock if you have not seen what is going on with the world right now, but the latest thing is the murder of Richard Brooks in Atlanta. And it's been all over the news. Uh, There is a lot of video. There is witness video from cell phones. There is surveillance video from the Wendy's. This is in Atlanta, Georgia. And there is most importantly to me, as a former cop, the body cam footage. And I've talked to a lot of people over the past week who have either seen a few snippets or have read one or two things from one or two reporters, which I, at the local news level here in Arizona, I'll give the reporters a lot of credit because I do think that they, for the most part, report the news on the national level Reporters do not report the news. They report their opinions and their agendas. And sensationalized. It's incredibly frustrating. So I 
want to, of course, I want to know everything, and I want the justice system to play out. However, I have watched what is available. And if you just simply turn on CNN, it's Richard Brooks was sleeping in his car in Wendy's. In a parking lot. <laughs> in, yeah, in a parking lot. He was sleeping, and uh, black man, and two white cops walked up and shot and killed him. That, that, I mean, that's what you're going to hear. That's obviously not what happened. They knocked on the window. It, they have a re- responsibility to answer the call. Somebody called 911 saying there is somebody sleeping basically in the, in the drive-thru, which he wasn't. He was actually in a parking spot. They tapped on the window. Well, I say that. But they banged on the window to finally get this guy awake. But... There's a 20-minute conversation, and if you listen to the conversation, it is very cordial. Calm. It is very pleasant. Yeah. The gentleman is saying, I just came from a party. I was with my children. He's identifying himself as a father. Human emotions should be coming into play here. Then what you see on the video after these 20 minutes is 12 seconds of how things can escalate, how horrific things can get and the split second decisions that we as human beings choose to make. So Richard Brooks ends up finally, you know, he several times he said, I'm going to, I can just walk home. Let me go. And I can tell you from my time on the streets, which was a lot less than yours. I would have been like, you know what? Go ahead. Walk home. Just go home. I, and, and Because I did that. I wasn't at this scene. They go to take him into custody. He finally yields to the field sobriety test. Obviously, he fails it. I go back in time a little bit to the credit. I, I'm going to give Richard credit for pulling over and not continuing to drive. And he fell asleep in his car. Cops come do what they do. When they try to take him into custody, now the fight is on. And he gets one of the officer's tasers. And when you watch the fight, it's not a fight where they're, you know, punches are being flung, faces are getting pounded. It was more of a wrestling match. I love your eyes right now. I can't wait till I give you a chance to talk. Oh, hey, it ain't your turn yet. It I'm ain't being your very turn good, yet. aren't I? I'm being it, good. I'm not, not saying a word. It's not your turn yet. <laughs> but I'm making faces. I, I, I watched this video. I watched this video a hundred times and it was more of a Darren, how many of you've been in a lot of these. So this was not a let's put on a pair of boxing gloves and go mono and mono. This guy was resisting arrest and he did take one of the officer's tasers. So, and then he ends up getting away and he starts running away. And at some point in that, again, we're talking about 12 seconds. 12 seconds is not a lot. At some point he turns around briefly and you told me earlier, I did not notice this on the video. So I'm going to be honest. I did not realize that he fired that taser, but he pointed the taser at the, there's two officers on scene. He pointed the taser at the, I'm going to call the lead officer who is in the foot pursuit. That is not the officer that pulled the trigger. It was the other officer 
who pulled the trigger. But Richard Brooks was shot in the back, causing his death. And no, always repeating myself, nobody loves law enforcement more than I do. Nobody. Nobody's more proud of having served. And I served for a very short time. I was injured in the line of duty, and I could care less about any of that. And I'm happy to be where I'm at today. I was not on that scene. I will say that. But in watching the video and knowing what I know right now, my, my opinion could change as things come out. You cannot shoot another person in the back who is fleeing from you when you know that he has a less than lethal weapon. So, and then I saw yesterday, to, to bring my point completely home, I saw a black sheriff in Georgia who said in an interview, again, he's African-American and the victim in this case is African-American. That's the hot topic of the country right now. This black sheriff said these cops were 100% justified in using deadly force. And I completely disagree. So go ahead and yell at me. Oh, no, no, because your point's well made. Uh, But the problem I have with this case is that it started out very calm. Yes. And right now when you listen to lawyers for the family of the deceased, and definitely a tragedy, should not be dead over a DUI investigation. And that- No, hell no. Me and you agree. The issues, first of all, let me talk to, to what you're saying. They have his car. They know who he is. He runs away. Exactly. They go to the house. They pick him up another day. That's all true. Right. It, it is. Hey, I'll see. You. This yeah. is why I have a right. job. Right. Job security. I'll see you right. tomorrow. But are we at a point in our country with law enforcement that officers are so intimidated by the riots, these what media loves to say, otherwise mostly peaceful protests? I'm sorry. You can't say a mostly peaceful, lethal riot when officers are being killed, officers being shot, officers being maimed for life, Um, 700 officers injured in two weeks, three weeks. It's ridiculous right now what's going on in these poor officers' minds. I couldn't agree more. Right, right. So with that in mind, it's all about not what the average person believes is justified in terms of is their life or someone else's life in danger. It's the officer, would an average officer believe that their life or someone else's life is in danger? And this was a felony investigation. It's a DUI. And again, I agree with you. Sadly, uh, I would not have shot in this situation. I would absolutely have let him walk home. It's bigger fish to fry kind of thing, depending on his record. And also looking at the vehicle. Is there damage on the vehicle? Could he have hit somebody before this? I mean, you know, you, you would do your due diligence, but... In the end of the day, yeah, it's the keys will be at the precinct. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll get you tax home. I, I, yeah. I can't disagree with that. But when they did make the decision to do the arrest, which was a valid arrest, it was. It was a valid arrest. It was. When he resisted, I disagree with you in the sense that it became more combative. I'm a small guy. Every time I would make an arrest, the bad guys, if they thought, you know, fight or flight, 
and they're not running from me because I can catch them. <laughs> so I got a lot of we call fights. I used air quotes because they really weren't fights. To your to your point, they were wrestling matches. They were the bad guy trying to get away. Yeah, exactly. They weren't trying to exactly. hurt the kid. Right. In this particular, there was an assault. The gentleman who's dead struck the one guy, one officer, in the face. Definitely an assault. Struck him. He went down. Now, I don't know if the lead officer knew his partner was still in the fight or whether he thought he was incapacitated. I don't know. And I don't know if we know. Well, that's the problem with not being there. Exactly. And 12 seconds. Exactly. So looking at the totality, I look at you had a felony, you had resisting arrest, you had combative individual, you had an assault. So now we know his propensity towards violence is there. It's not him simply trying to get away. He actually struck the one officer in the face with a closed fist. He then takes an officer's weapon. My point being, how do I know what he was thinking? Did he think he was taking my taser or did he think he was just grabbing something out of a holster, which could very well have been a gun? I don't know what he was thinking. We will never know. Unfortunately, he's dead. But when he grabbed that weapon, which was a less lethal weapon, it wasn't a non-lethal, it was a less lethal. It can still be lethal. When he took that and he ran, again, that's when the officer need to make the decision is, can we let him go with this taser in his hands? I don't think you can, number one. Number two is, do you see the handcuff? The hand, one hand was cuffed. Uh-huh. The other one was loose. So now he has this instant mace, if you will, this weapon, uh, your, your officer's handcuff. He's escalated this to a point where you have to arrest this guy now. You have to. He has hit an officer. He's taken a taser, a less lethal weapon, and he has a cuff on his one wrist, which can be used and is dangerous if he comes against another officer and fights. You can get a face slashed open so easily with those cuffs. So they're in a very precarious situation. And when he turns... And he points that taser, and then I see the discharge of that taser. You can see it being discharged. Did the backup officer, who finally gets up, he wasn't running with his... his uh, right, no, uh, he was... He, he, he was, was a distance behind. Yeah, and he actually pied over. Yeah, thank to, you. To get the cross. To get the yeah, shot yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. So did he think he was saving his partner's life, who was going to be tased, incapacitated and then killed because he has already shown yeah. a propensity towards violence towards officers. Right. That's a whole lot of ifs. I know, yeah. but it all boils down to what the officer was thinking was the officer felt that his other buddy was in danger of his life. And I got goosebumps right now because I think he obviously did, which is why he shot. And I wish he hadn't. I, I, well, I can say, I, I know hindsight wish, 2020, we, we wish he had not because, and I can say I would not have, dead. and that's why I feel bad because I'm saying, I think it's a legitimate defense towards this officer. Will he be arrested? I kind of think he probably will. Do I think, I he'll think be, guaranteed he will. Thank you. I think, I think he, he, he could be legitimately, but he will be to appease people. Yes. Oh, in today's world. Yeah. But thank you. And that's that's unfortunate because that's, that's not real the, justice. That's the topic I, I can't and that's even the problem. stand to talk about right now is just because simply it, it, it right and wrong is it should not have any gray areas. So exactly. I, it's not. Because, but in today's times, we have that caveat. It's not because the state of the world. It's not because the city of Seattle decided to say fuck it and annex it. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and and have this individual new country apparently uh, we're talking about a a specific case we're not talking about the case of minneapolis we're not talking about the the case here uh recently with uh dps shooting the, another again a guy sleeping in a car yeah that a lot of people do not know the exact details of what happened and 
It was just that the cop shot a uh, sleeping person. If you know the details of the case of what happened, uh, Dion, the, the man who was killed, I forgot his last name. He was just buried a couple of days ago. It is incredibly justified if you know the actual details but of what happened. But the world life. doesn't care right now. But no. I don't want to talk about that. I'm talking about the, when you... This is no longer a he said, she said, that type of thing. We have it on video. And perception things are going to come out and if this officer he's already been fired uh, both if right? he can no no oh, no, no. The, one? The, okay. the the shooter gotcha the, the officer who fired was or fired his weapon was fired the other officer is on the normal uh Suspe- suspended the, the, or the, yeah at home for 72 right. hours or whatever while they do the investigation but when you look at the video for me and I agree with you. I would not have shot. I'd, and it's easy to say that. Again, I wasn't there. If he's able to articulate why and was he... What a lot of people don't understand is the use of deadly force does not apply to officers in any different way it applies to civilians. It's fact. Civilians, just like police officers, you are allowed to use deadly force in the defense of yourself and in the defense of others. Police officers just happen to be in that situation a little more often than civilians. If he can articulate why he did it, then who? I don't know what's going to come out in the court case. I don't know what he's going to get. I do think he'll be arrested. I do think sitting here right now, the heat of the moment, it will probably elevate to... Second-degree murder, the guy was shot in the back. And fleeing felon, yeah, he assaulted a police officer. That's a felony. DUI is a felony. But a fleeing felon of his caliber is a whole lot different than some of the fleeing felons we chased. And you know what? Speaking just to the cops out there, half of the fun Half of the reason to do the job is, the is to get in that foot pursuit. It is. Is to get. But I, so is. I think, and again, I wasn't there. I'm not trying to get in this in this cop's mind, but I can't imagine the level of embarrassment of how do I go back to the precinct and say, I got my ass kicked and I got my taser stolen. And my and, handcuffs. And to me, to me, that's a part of it. Just like the Derek Chauvin case in Minneapolis. When you look in his eyes, when you see into his hollow soul while he's got his neck or his knee on the neck of George Floyd. I told you last week, that guy had 19 years to wake up every day and say, I'm going to kill a black man because I'm a racist. And he never did it. So when I see that video, what I think of Chauvin is he had two training officers who had four days on the department. And you could see in his eyes that he was saying, I am the king of the world. This is my fucking city. This is my street. And this is how you do things. Street justice. And that is the that is more goes to the core of what the problem in law enforcement is right now. And that that definitely wasn't the case in Atlanta. No. It was but but I do think a part of it was like you don't nobody likes to lose. Nobody likes to be embarrassed. And just how that trigger got pulled. I will never fully understand. And I, I do want to see it go through the, you know, I don't agree with the rioters. I, I, I cannot believe the Wendy's where it happened. 
The guy who owns the Wendy's is not his fault, and they fucking they, burned it down. Are you kidding me? That that kind of stuff is a whole separate issue that gets me fired up. But in listening to those 20 minutes at the beginning, human emotion, we are taught to de-escalate. Richard Brooks was a father. He was coming home from a party, and to his credit, I do give him credit for pulling over and going to sleep instead of continuing to drive. And I don't care what happened and what you see on that video. There is no effing way that Brooks should be six feet under the ground right now. No, no way. he shouldn't be, but he should not have committed a strong armed robbery, salting a police officer and taking that weapon and putting the yeah. other officer in fear or his partner I, and yeah. and you you know what i'm saying when i talk about I that, that protection of your your partner there's three there's three what? rules three rules as a cop you go home your partner goes home and if you can catch the bad guy you do yes and no that's true i that's think that officer shot true. because he has fear for his partner and if that's the case it's going to be justified even though i sit here and say i wouldn't have done it well i think cops are yeah i think and and the interesting case like in the george floyd case and the Derek chauvin case in minneapolis Every single cop in the country is in agreement. Is in agreement, and we would be the first ones to take out Derek Chauvin if we were given a chance. I know I would. This case, I would though, use a taser. This, really? <laughs> you know what? I would put the same handcuffs on Derek Chauvin that he placed on George Floyd, and I'd release him into the crowd. And whatever Pu- happens, public happens. stoning. Uh, you know what? Hey, let's go. No, Look into Derek Chauvin's eyes. He deserves exactly what I'm saying, whether that sounds like I'm incredibly callous. That's fine. No, I get but that. On the, on, on the Atlanta side, it's going um, to be a whole different case. And I, I just I want to see it play out. And it's a shame that it continues. Again, we have to talk about we – we, we should talk about being – human being to human being, police toward suspect. But obviously the discussion is it was a white finger that pulled the trigger and it was a black man that died. So I'm off my rant and, and I wanted you to stay very badly. I would love with your training because I am not a psychologist. I know I I didn't, Hey, I didn't graduate. Well, I barely went to college. I joined the military similar to Darren. So what are your thoughts? I'm putting you on the spot. I want to know. You want my thoughts about you? No, or? No. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, no. We know, we know God, he needs help. God, please no. We know um, he needs help. Please no. We know I need help. <laughs> we know I need help. I want to know your thoughts on what we're talking about with the the Atlanta case specifically. Have you seen the videos? Have you paid attention to the news? I haven't. I, I honestly, oh, You know what? Good for you. <laughs> I haven't. Good for you. I, um, but based on our conversation. Well, so... The only thing coming into this conversation was a friend of mine said, um, you know, uh, I, I, they, the story I heard was in the drive through, you know, somebody else told me the story. He was in the drive through and, and the police were called and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm listening to you guys and I'm thinking there's a lot of, uh, points along the way in the story that it could have turned out differently. Right. Um, because somebody's life has, it, it, they're no longer with us as a result of, of decisions made along the point. And really the only thing that keeps going through my head is, 
it is damn hard to be a police officer. Thank you. That's the only thing that just keeps going through my head is God bless law enforcement. Uh, That's awesome. When I was was a public information officer in Florida, we had, and, and this was the bring it home story for me, is we had a fine fine deputy, a well-trained, former military, outstanding human being. And I got to watch the video repeatedly, the, the cam, when he got a gun pulled on him and, and feeling the empathy of the fear that he went through. He ended up resigning from the sheriff's office. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody ever said it was because of that incident, but that being a law enforcement officer is a hard, hard, unappreciated job. And I just, what's happening in our country and, and, you know, we're having a conversation that, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that something comes good and it will, it might just take a long time. It might take a long time time time. for our law enforcement officers. Cause you know, we get, we get stuck, um, on these individual stories when we need, we need a bigger solution because, you know, but when you're in trouble, you're, you're going to dial nine one one, right? You are regardless what you say, regardless, regardless. that's right. That's right. So I just, yeah, that's all. That's all I got. And there's no hard job. There's no worse time or more difficult time. And right now, in my humble opinion, mm-hmm. I worked during the run of King Rides. It was nothing like oh, it is it today. Nothing compared nothing. to this. Nothing. And compared. I've talked to a lot of buddies of mine that were cops in the early 70s with the Black Panther movements. Nothing compared no. to today. No. And, and uh, it, it, you know, okay, so I'm going to poke the bear. All right. Good. <laughs> they are not paid enough. No. That's Ridiculous. True. That's true. And Ridiculous. then they want to defund. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I, I what, don't even understand what that's all about. So it just, it's not about I the salaries. It's about like when Florida, that's what we'll amount had, to. You had a, you had a 10 man SWAT team walk off the job. The defunding means they're taking away the resources that you need it's just, to, it, do, to okay. do your job. It's, so not, it's, it's, still, not, it's not necessarily about the, it's all about money, the salaries, but the very unfortunate thing about all of this that we're talking about is a lot of people who would, make very good police officers are not going to want to be police That's right. officers. Nope. That's right. And so the G pool is going to get shallow on who's getting hired. Yep. And you're going to have people out there five years from now, 10 years from now who do not understand how to handle the escalation, de-escalation, handle suspects. Because the one thing, bad guys don't change. There are bad guys out there. There, there are people who want to hurt you and other people and want to stay out of jail. And, the training I got in 1999, the training that Darren got in the 80s is, I don't want to say it's a lot different, but it's definitely different. a little more, oh, hey, you showed up, here's a trophy, and good luck. And that's not what law enforcement has to be about. It has to be taken very, very seriously on both sides. The respect of how you do your job, why you do your job, and then the respect of the community that just let them do their job. And I promise you, safety is not going to be an issue if you simply let people do what they're supposed to do. Resisting arrest keeps coming up in all these scenarios. Oh, right. in, in, in all these. Right. Because that's the thing right now. Let's fight against the cops. It is. Because it's the right thing to do because the news media tells you it is. And so do our 
Uh, Hey, I've waited an hour, but as always, I'm going to say to all the politicians out there, fuck every single one of you (laughs) because you do nothing, nothing to try and help. You just want to get reelected and everything you say, everything from the people here in Arizona all the way to the president, every one of you is full of shit and you're not going to make a difference. It's up to us to figure out how to make a difference. So yeah, they, they keep exploiting all these tragic deaths. Well, They're exploiting them. Oh, but for their own power exactly. and for their own own good and their own narcissism. So, but, but yeah, um, but you've got these police chiefs that are just walking right off the job when something happens. Hey, let in me their tell city. you that police chief in Atlanta that resigned the next day. She was one of the most well respected, yep. one of the best police chiefs in the country. And for her to say, you know what, White flag. enough's enough. And I don't blame her. I, I, don't, I, you, you I can't hope, blame him. I hope geez. she's sitting on a beach somewhere with an umbrella in her drink. And good for her because at some point you can only take so much. Yeah, what, she, what the hell are you supposed to do She truly next? was one of the best. Atlanta is a great police department and it's a great city and it has great leaders. For the chief to resign that quickly and then what chaos comes? Who do you, who all of a sudden is in charge is somebody who wasn't, uh, I don't want to say not trained, but they weren't ready to all of a sudden be thrown into, oh, make the, and make these decisions right now. And who picks them? The city council, which is reacting no. to the riots and it's being... Politically m- correct. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, it's a bad state of affairs. It's not going to get better sooner. No. But eventually, all things come to an end in this one, too. Be right back. More stories, inside guests, and true blue humor coming up on Batch Boys. We'll be back right after this. I remember, the, I remember moment. the moment. I'll never forget that moment. As long as I live. As long as I live. Several of us were working to rescue a family. The house collapsed on top of the cellar door and trapped them. We had to use Humvees and heavy machinery to move massive trees and debris. We got them out. We helped a lot of people out. It felt good to know I could really make a difference. Because I'm a citizen soldier in the National Guard. Be there the moment your community needs you. Learn more at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Arizona National Guard. Aired by the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. Move over, AZ. Arizona's move over law requires you to move over or slow down when you drive past any vehicle pulled over with flashing lights. Remember, every vehicle, every time. Move over, AZ. Sponsored by ADOT in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station. You're listening to Badge Boys with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Now, back to the Badge Boys. The word I keep thinking of is compelling. Those were two compelling segments. One with Anna talking about this triple homicide, how horrific it was, but how we see this other facet of it in terms of the medical and the miscommunication. And then in Comp Talk, we're talking about this Atlanta, comparing it to the Minneapolis, and so different. And again, Tough times for police, no doubt about Very it. Very much so. Next week we're going to be talking about a whole new one. I guarantee. I know. The next I know. Days, we're going to be. There's going to be another one on video. And we're going to be talking about it. Never and that's ending. why I always look forward to our last segment because we have Jason with his inspirational message, but more importantly, maybe even the heroic headline because we need something heroic, something to kind of look at and say, "Ah, oh, thank God." Yeah, you know what? And this one is a good one. Uh, California officer rescues toddlers after their father intentionally drove them off a cliff with the girls inside the vehicle. A San Diego police officer is being praised by colleagues for scaling down the side of a cliff over the weekend to rescue twin two-year-old sisters after their father allegedly, I love that word, drove off the bridge 
flipping their car upside down into the ocean below the cliff. One girl suffered minor injuries, thankfully. However, the other one was hospitalized in critical condition, but is expected to recover, and both are going to make a full recovery. The father, whose name has not been released, of course, because karma sometimes I don't understand, he suffered non-life-threatening injuries. And Officer Weiss, who is a canine officer with San Diego PD, just simply said, I did it because I want to be out there making a difference. And someday these two girls are going to grow up, hopefully be productive members of society, be moms, have careers, and they are going to owe their lives to this one decision that one officer made, and he is truly a hero. And that's what the need, you're not going to hear this on the nightly news. Nope. No way. But it's not about color. It's not about anything else. It's about serving and protecting innocent lives. And it's a beautiful thing. So to Officer Weiss, to the San Diego PD, uh, way to go. Awesome. Truly a hero. Truly. All right, Darren. Wow. Let me hear. I- I'm assuming you have a Florida case. Uh, actually, <laughs> it's local homegrown. Hey, all right. Is. Local homegrown. Let's, you, let, you, let's hammer. Let's let's be self-deprecating here you, let me t- hear. you took us to the heights of this cliff <laughs> and this heroic i'm going to take us to the bowels okay we're talking a youtube um celebrity i guess is that such a thing i guess you know, it is you hear it all the time but i don't understand I, it at I, all. I have no idea who this guy is but youtuber jake paul oh uh, yes huh uh, yeah, no idea who he is. He was 500 feet from us a couple weeks ago. That's what uh, we're talking about. And by the way, committed a felony by traveling across state lines to participate in a protest. Sorry yeah, to interrupt, yeah. but no, that, no, that no. guy, Point this well kid taken. pisses me off. He is a celebrity. Jason he, knew who he no. was. And I'm going to tell you before well, you even read that story, that little punk is the reason why my building is still on lockdown several weeks later. So thank you very much, you asshole. There okay. you go. Okay. Like you. Punk is the worst okay. word you're going to use about Jake Paul. We're going to have to have a talk. Asshole. And he, so is his brother. He is defending uh, being in that crowd of looters. And he, um, yeah, it, he's defending himself being this looters, riot. Uh, however, social media is having a different take on it. Uh, they think he's the epitome of what of male white privilege. Uh, yeah, several videos showed him in a crowd of people looting the Scottsdale Fashion Square Mall here in Arizona. The looting came amid a wave of violent protests, obviously. The video posted shows the YouTube star wearing a mask and wandering around the malls as rioters are smashing store windows. And in one instance, they're even damaging a car on display. Paul's not shown stealing or breaking anything, but he is trespassing with the other looters. In one video, Paul has said he, um, that tear gas was he was hit by tear gas and he, he's calling these police officers idiots well who's the idiot the millionaire who's in a protest right who flew out here for that exact reason yeah, yeah. the video prompted waves of criticism on social media from people accusing him and his team of taking advantage of the nationwide protest to gain attention again gaining attention become a, a celebrity one user tweeted that she was so angry because of looting quote, was not part of the larger Black Lives Matter protest, instead continued that, quote, his other rich white friends are capitalizing 
off this for attention. Now, I have a problem with that. Why not, you know, rich black friends? It shouldn't be racist. Uh, though known mostly for performing stupid stunts online, the YouTuber has a long history of inserting himself in national tragedies, like after the shooting in um, Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, that killed 70 people. Paul visited that town and came up with a five-point plan to end the school shootings. And one of those points, I believe, was watching him on YouTube. So, okay. Yes, please. To be clear... This is the same douche canoe that filmed a guy hanging from a tree in Japan and made fun of him as he's hanging dead. The, the kid committed suicide in Japan. And, and why are we watching Paul his thought, videos? Why Paul are we watching putting him? that on YouTube and making fun of somebody who committed suicide. So the, listen, him and his brother, you want to talk about idiots. They call cops idiots. These guys... I'm too old to understand these YouTube stars and celebrities, but the Paul brothers are. Shall we call them pieces of shit? Thank you. Well, that guy, I, I mean, I, he's I, got I, tons I, of red flags. There's tons of red flags right yeah, there, yeah, right? Yeah. Inserting himself into this stuff, right? We talk about that with investigations. Exploiting. It's right? called exploiting. Yeah. You know what pisses me off about these two kids, too? When they're our age, they're going to go, man, I can't believe my younger self. I wish I hadn't have done that shit. That's what pisses me off is I'm all fine with life experience, but uh, you know, you're making your choices now and you don't get to say that in 20 years. That's just, I hate those fucking kids. This stuff is forever. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, the next stupid suspect story, protester hospitalized after a toppled Confederate statue crashes onto his head. The vandalizing began after the uh, Portsmouth NAACP president, James Boyd and vice president Louis Gibbs were taken into custody. Men were charged with trespassing, uh, and they were apparently released on just a summons 30 minutes later, but not before they were able to entice this riot. The graffiti on the statues read things such as tear it down, Black Lives Matter, F Trump was written, and so forth. And American flag was lit on fire. When one of the rioters, um, a.k.a. criminal, was badly injured when one of the damaged statues fell on his head. A man who identified himself as a Black Lives Matter activist who went identify himself other than wearing a mask talked about the injury and said quote there was a gentleman directly in front of the statue and when the statue finally did get torn down it fully hit him in the head and we could see that his skull was actually showing he was convulsing on the ground and he lost quite an amount of blood we're just asking for everyone to pray for that man well i'm also praying for all the officers who've been shot and injured and bricks thrown at them during all this supposedly peaceful protesting. Uh, that's getting on my nerves quite a bit. Uh, eventually, all four of the statues were beheaded, no pun intended, towards this gentleman. Uh, police were given the order to stand down during the riot, uh, the mayor in caving into demands of the Black Lives Matter organization. Now, I'm not calling them by name, but uh, anything fueled by hate, Oh, no, I'm not sure if this is a, uh, a love fest. Uh, the comments when the group asked uh, for prayers were mixed, some saying they would send thoughts and others saying uh, he got what he deserved. One thing I say real quick is that if there is a lawyer listening right now, a lawyer should contact that gentleman or his family if he's passed away and sue the organization Black Lives Matter, sued NAACP because they created an atmosphere of complete chaos. They got the police to be extricated. The police were not allowed to be in that place based on the, the governor and the mayor. And this gentleman maybe even lost his life from this toppling, illegally toppling of a government property. Um, I think there's a lawsuit there. I think maybe cops and everyone else that's being injured, uh, businesses being looted, burnt down, 
we might need to think about uh, the deep pocket theory and start suing uh, the BLM, which is Black Lives Matter. I love Black Lives Matter, but I don't like this organization because it's disingenuous and it hates cops and it's asking for the abolishment of police officers as well as really the overthrow of a government uh, as well as now the NAACP, the new Black Panthers movement. All these things, uh, I think, have money and we need to start suing them. They are 100% immune to criticism. And Robin, I am going to ask you right now mm-hmm. on this current Wednesday, to tell me next Wednesday how many emails or calls that our boss got to cancel this show because of the few <laughs> sentences Darren just said. I, gar- he, I guarantee he, you. Darren might will. get the emails. I but. guarantee you it will because of what, and I appreciate what Darren just said, but that's how toxic. I told you guys before we went on air, I had one of my speeches canceled just simply because yep. I'm a former police officer and people are bowing to the pressure of these things so now we're going to move on to my inspirational close which this week is can i do pissed off inspiration you can't why not no yeah we can protest i've never tried that protest can be inspirational protest my brother protest doing inspirational and motivational speeches for about passionate more than a decade compelling no that's it's a really yeah but i'm pretty pissed off at this one so that's the purpose of anger right there use your anger for action do it hey this is uh, your time for therapy jason well this is a simple like we all need to get our shit together because this jesus um a teenage girl who makes teddy bears for children of fallen officers out of their uniforms she is getting death threats for supporting law enforcement Listen, it's fine if you hate police officers, but to hate the children of the ones that are killed in law enforcement, yet your hypocrisy flips to the other side of where we are supposed to care about the children of other dead people, which we do, that is what astonishes me. Law enforcement officers die in the line of duty, just like other people die. Their children did not ask for that, and... They matter. And this teen girl, and we are back in Florida now, so we're going to shine a bright light on somebody in Florida. Uh, she's a kid trying to help make, make people's lives a little easier, a little less painful, and now she's under attack for it, and her family is facing death threats. Her name is Megan. She has a nonprofit called Blue Line Bears. She, along with her family, takes the uniforms, the actual uniforms, of fallen police officers, and she turns them in to teddy bears for their surviving family members. She is the daughter of a police officer, and so she understands what families of law enforcement go through. And in addressing what she started her company, she started with this. There is so much negativity aimed at police in general. Sadly, the recent high school graduate is coming face-to-face with just how vile and depraved some people can be in their hatred for every cop. Cops are no longer human beings. They don't have people that they love. They don't have people that love them. Apparently, they, they're just not even human beings anymore. They should all be killed, apparently, and their children have to suffer, too. Uh, recently, she posted a supportive statement on her social media page only to have people, many of whom were her friends, lash out at her and her family and then block her. And then the post led to horrific comments, which included things that are way too vile to even print or talk about on air. But 
they wished death upon her dad and other police officers. And she said, it's a sad day in our house, and I know many of you will understand and relate. How do we explain to our sweet, passionate, empathetic, amazing daughter why so many people around the world would hate her dad and so many of the other officers simply because of the uniform that she wears? She's making teddy bears for children who have lost their mothers and fathers. She's using their actual uniforms. And not only do people disagree with it, they are making death threats against a teenage girl. If that does not sum up how incredibly fucked up we are right now and how there are a lot of people in this country that need to get it together and realize there are 7 billion people on this planet, and yes, all lives matter. And within minutes... I'm going to get called a racist on social media because I made that statement. But every life matters. Black lives matter. Egyptian lives matter. Polynesian lives matter. Greek lives matter. Canadian lives matter. All lives matter. We are human beings. So everybody out there needs to get their shit together and we got to get this fixed. God bless all of you. And we will, usually I say excitedly, do this next week. And I'm right now at the point of saying, unfortunately, we're going to do this again next week. Take care. Batch Boys. Thanks for listening to Batch Boys. (laughs) Stories, insights, guests, and true blue humor with retired police sergeant Darren Birch and retired police officer Jason Schechterly. Batch Boys. Heard weekly and worldwide on Star Worldwide Networks and all mobile devices. (laughs) Batch Boys.